Um, so for those of you that are visiting this morning, please don't hold the sermon this morning against the church. I'm not the normal pastor. So um, if it's really good, I'll take all the credit. But if it's really bad, it's not my fault. So um, no, I'm teasing. It's totally my fault if it's bad. But I'm like the, the freshman team preacher compared to the, the varsity guy who's normally here. So anyways, good morning, everyone. All right, good to see everybody here this morning. Hey, John. Um, saw a lot of pictures of people on vacation this week. I'm glad you guys are back. You guys survived the Cardinals game. Okay. All right, good. And the zoo. Wow. Right. The walking. Oh, my gosh. That is the worst. Well, that actually doesn't bother me. Um, <laughs> I walk all day long, so you're not going to get any sympathy from me about walking. But um, all our girls went to camp this week. I made it back in one piece, but most importantly, my wife came back, Stephanie. Oh my gosh. It was just Elliot and I for a whole week. Mostly just me, but it was a little touch and go there for a while. Thank the Lord for mamas and nannies, because uh, I could not have done it. Like, I couldn't imagine leaving him at home by himself um, for a day in. Who knows what would have happened? Well, actually, I think I know what would have happened. There would have been a lot of movie watching and video game playing, and that's about it. Um, he's, he's a chip off the old block, isn't he? <laughs> uh, so I feel like last week I might have been a little hard on everybody, talking about apathy and how horrible we all are because we're all apathetic to the things of Christ. So this week, I think what I'm going to do is double down on that. So... <laughs> Um, I hope you're all ready. I'm just going to go ahead and ask the deacons now to pass out tissues for everyone because you'll all need them this morning. And then I'll just let Mike pick up the pieces next week. So, um, you know, I think we'll just do it that way. It works out better. And if you guys have any questions, please direct them to Pastor Mike. Um, now, so actually today it's going to be more of, more of kind of a pat on the back, and it's something that God's kind of been working on me, you know, much like last week, although it seemed like last week the subject kind of just popped up out of nowhere and, you know, with, with what, where we'd been on vacation and all that. But this week's going to be more of kind of a pat on the back. And, and as Mike said this morning, we're going to talk about community today. And at Harvest Hill, we do such a great job of creating community as a church in Stratford and within just the church itself. And, you know, yesterday was a great example of that. We had a family who had lost a loved one, and so we were able to, to meet some needs and just, just be a place for them to come and just have some rest for a while. And so I love that about our church. It's one of the first things I noticed when, when other than the world's longest Easter service that I had come to, we had come to a... Uh, we had come to a uh, Elliot had gone to a sports camp, and, and Emerson was a VBS kind of deal, and um, the last day, we had a big party out in the parking lot, and it seemed like the whole church was here. And when, when I was a little kid, and in VBS, you just had what uh, the kids came, and the parents dropped them off, and, and if they had to stay for the party at the end, then they stayed for the party at the end. But it, there wasn't really this community deal like, like we have here. It seemed like the whole church was invested. And so it was something that really stood out to me when we visited and then when we first joined the church. Um, and so today, we're going to kind of look at some scripture that kind of 
shows how the early church did community and how maybe that can encourage us to maybe even go a little farther and maybe take the next step forward in our community as a church here as Harvest Hill. So um, if you guys have your Bibles, hopefully you do, because you'll definitely use them today. Not, I mean, you always use your Bible at church. I'm not going to make you turn to a bunch of different places. Um, but we're in Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through 47. So I'll give you a second to, to put that in your phones or look it up on your phone. What are you doing? All right. He's my son. I have to call him out from the pulpit. <clears throat> All right. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. And the main part of our passage is going to be 42 through 47, but 41 is kind of an important word important verse here too, but it starts off in 41. It says, so those who accepted his, and that's Peter. Peter's been preaching a message to to the crowd here, but those who had accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to the eating of hot dogs, and to prayer. So I'm reading a different translation than probably you guys might not say eating hot dogs, but mine does. That's what we do great here at Harvest Hill for sure. At least that's what I do great at Harvest Hill. Um, To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. So they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. They ate their hot dogs, definitely, uh, with joyful and sincere hearts, right? Uh, Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Let's pray and then we'll kind of dive into this. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your your word, God. Thank you for this church, Father, that, that does such a good job at community, God. And I just pray that through this passage, God, and through through your message in this passage, Father, that that we would begin to look at, at things maybe we can do a little better, a little harder, Father, that, that we can push ourselves forward in this, in this idea of community, God, especially as we go forward throughout the next month and look at taking steps, the next steps as a church, God. I thank you for for your son and what he did for us, God. And I just ask right now that you speak through me and move me out of the way, Father, so that the words that are spoken are what what you need for us to hear, God. And I just ask all these things in your name. Amen. So, real quick show of hands. Pray you can can put it up. Real quick show of hands. Um, Who here, has anyone here ever heard of Pando the Trembling Giant? Anyone show of hands, Pando the Trembling Giant? No one, no one, no one knows Pando the Trembling Giant? He lives in those woods. Um, Actually, Pando is the name of the largest single organism on Earth. Does anybody know now? Does that sound familiar now? No? Um, It's not Sasquatch, I can promise you that. But it's actually a quaking aspen. So it's these trees here. Um, And um, the, the thing that's cool about that is all of that that you see that's yellow there, kind of in the middle, that's one tree. It comes from a single root. Um, and as you can tell, it looks like a whole forest, right? Um, but it all comes from one root. Each and every one of those is genetically identical. 
So there's not like you can look at one and say, oh, this one came from a different root. It's a little bit different, still a quaking aspen. No, one root started all of that, and it became one giant organism. It'd have little things that would pop up here and there. And so if you were to dig that up, you wouldn't have that many different roots, and they're not all intertwined and intermingled. It started from one root and branched out, and, and two different things would pop up, and then that root would branch out, and, and another tree would pop up. And, and they keep growing up as, as the bigger trees get so, too heavy, they fall over and die, but a new one comes up right around where it came up. And so it's this giant tree, and it actually covers over 100 acres. And like I said, they're all genetically identical. It's one tree. That's pretty awesome, right? Like for a lot of us, when we, when we hear what's the largest single organism, we think, oh, it's a blue whale, right? Nope, I think you could probably fit a few blue whales in that, in that tract of land, but so Pando is this perfect, and that's the weirdest name, Pando, uh, the trembling giants, right? Um, so that's pretty cool, I think. I don't know, anybody else? Pando, the trembling giant. So what does that have to do with community? Well, nothing, actually. I just thought you might want to know what the largest single organism was. So let's keep going. Now, Pando is this perfect example of what community should look like. We as a church and as a gathering of believers need to be spiritually identical. You know, as our church, God, God called us to this church for a reason. And, and spiritually, we need to be identical. We need to be pursuing the same things as we go throughout our lives and as we're in this community so that new things can sprout up and grow up in this community around this church. And we need to have one single root. We need to share one root, which is Christ and then our desire to make Christ famous in this community as we, go, as we move throughout this church, throughout this neighborhood, throughout Stratford, and, and however we do that. But our goal then should be to sprout up new things off of this one root. We've got new believers coming in. And so in order for, <coughs> excuse me, um, we have one root in order for this community of Christ to grow and spread out and affect the, 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 everything around us. See, if you see everything's blue around us, and it's like growing, or blue, green around this, but it's growing up and it's spreading out and popping up all over the place, and it's this one tree. And so that, for us, as we begin to look at building community, that should be our goal is to, to spread out and develop new root, or not new roots, but new trees as we, as we break off of this one root. They come up and they grow up and they begin to grow a new life in Christ. So let's look at our scripture then. We'll go back to our scripture real quick. So it says in verse 42, it gives us this list of four activities that the first church devoted itself to. And they, they apply to us today as well. Um, and then in verses 43 through 47, it kind of goes into more detail into those things. So in verse 42, those four things says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, <clears throat> to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So number one, they devoted themselves to the apostles' preaching or to the apostles' teaching, I'm sorry. And if you look back at the, the last few verses, <coughs> excuse me, last few verses um, before we get to this passage, Peter's preaching this sermon, uh, pretty simple, uh, repent and be baptized. He's preaching the gospel. And on this one day, after this one, one sermon, 3,000 people came to Christ that day. And that's simply all they taught. 
He didn't get up and go into these great long dissertations on different things and and all these, you know, the, he didn't dive into the Trinity and, and try to explain that to him. He talked about what he knew, right? Pete, Peter got up and he plainly preached Jesus Christ, plain and simple. That's what it was. This is who Jesus Christ was. This is what Jesus Christ did. And if you don't believe that, then, then you, you're separated from God. And he's preaching this to these, to these Jews in the area, right? And so, and that's, that sermon was simply that, that Jesus Christ had to come and be rejected. I mean, it's the good news of Christ. He had to come and be rejected. He had to be crucified. He had to be buried, and he had to raise from the dead. And without all those things, Jesus wasn't who he said he was. And Jesus met all of those. And so he was the fulfillment of this prophecy that the, the Hebrews have been looking for for a long time, and he met all these prophecies, and he preached that. And in verse 43, it says, Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. So <clears throat> they were also going around and performing miracles. Like, that's crazy. Don't, don't ask me to perform a miracle. I mean, I guess I could. God could use me to perform a miracle, but I'd probably say the words wrong. If there's words, I don't know. But, um, but they would go around and perform these miracles, which, which served to prove that what they were saying was true. So the same way that, that people knew Jesus was who he said he was, in Mark chapter, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter 1, verse 27, the apostles say, who is this man who preaches with all this authority that even the demons obey him? And, and he's going around healing people, and God used these miracles to authenticate Jesus' message. And so God is using these disciples, that were, these people that were Jesus' disciples, he's using them the same way. They could have been just any quacks off the street trying to start whatever they wanted, but God used these miracles to say, listen, these guys are doing it right. They're doing it the way Jesus did it. They're preaching the good news of Christ, and here's the proof. I'm going to use them to heal people. And so they're doing that, and whatever it was, healing people, um, blessing food and making more food, whatever it was, God was using these miracles to affirm their teaching the same way that he did in the life of Jesus. And so did the disciples know everything? No, like I said, these were guys, and when you look through the Gospels, these guys were like fishermen. There, there was nothing tax collectors, nothing special about these guys. They didn't go to seminary. They don't have their doctorate in theology. They're not THDs that could sit and rattle on for hours and hours, um, entertaining no one but themselves. They, they didn't know everything. They walked with Jesus. They saw how Jesus walked. They're like, listen, this is what Jesus taught. This is what Jesus did. This is how Jesus lived, and it changed us. It changed my life, and they devoted themselves. The people in the church devoted themselves because they saw the difference in the disciples' lives. These were people that knew the disciples. They lived with them, and they saw how Jesus had changed their lives through his time on earth. And so these people are devoting themselves to them. And no, they didn't know everything. And we can see that later in the book of Acts, where they, the disciples get in arguments among themselves about Jewish food laws, about, oh, whether or not to eat clean, you know, you can't eat clean food out of a dirty bowl, and you have to eat stuff that's kosher, and oh, we can't allow uncircumcised people to be part of the church. We can't have Gentiles in here, and, and that's not who Jesus came for, and and they had all these arguments about all these silly things. 
But they didn't just dismiss those and plow ahead. They allowed the gospel, they allowed God's good news, God's grace to open their eyes to his perspective and what his ultimate goal was. And they said, oh, maybe God had something bigger in mind than even we, these disciples that Jesus chose. God had something bigger in mind than what we can see. And they allowed God to change their perspectives so that they could move forward then and change the world. You know, these 12 guys changed the world for Christ. And so first, we can't over, and when it comes to community, we cannot overemphasize emphasize, emphasize the importance of good gospel-centered teaching. That was the found, that's the foundation. That's the root of everything when it comes to community and that, that pando, the trembling giant. You don't have to put oh, praise nine back there. But that's the root. It all starts there. If you don't have Christ as your root, as your foundation, there's nothing else there. And then community comes as a byproduct of the gospel. So when we, we see how God changes our lives, we want to align ourselves with people that are of a similar mind. And we want to we be fed and taught those things so that, that we can begin to grow in Christ. And that sense of community comes. And then we see the lives of the people around us who don't know Christ. And we want them to know Christ, not to make our church bigger, but so that they can know Christ, know this joy, and know, know this good news of him. And so we want to bring more into the community, not to grow the community, but to introduce them to Christ, to give them Christ. So second, the next thing we see that we can focus on in fellowship is uh, fellowship. <laughs> Easy enough, right? Verse 44 says, now all believers were together and held all things in common. Verse 45 says, they sold all their possessions, or sorry, they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. So the word Luke uses here for fellowship, um, and Luke's the author of Acts. I don't know if everyone, like the Gospel of Luke, that's the same guy. The guy that wrote the Gospel of Luke also wrote the book of Acts. Um, but the word he uses here in, in verse 42, when he says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, it's not the same as how we view fellowship today when we think, oh, let's fellowship, right? When we, when we say that word, we just kind of have this idea of we bring a... Uh, what, what is that called when everybody brings their food? I've gone dumb. Potluck, yeah. I was going to say carry-in. Um, <laughs> we bring a carry-in dinner. We have a potluck. We, that's what we think of. We have a potluck dinner in the fellowship hall, right? And, and maybe someone comes and does, sings a few songs or, or you know, in, in more modern churches now that we don't necessarily do it that way. We have small groups and we get together for dinner and maybe we have a Bible study, right? And that's how we view fellowship a lot of times when we hear that word. We're like, hey, let's get together in fellowship tonight and there's food there and we just hang out and talk and we're, we just spend time with each other. And that's not exactly, I mean, that, yes, that's kind of the attitude Luke's talking about, but that's not exactly the word he uses here. The term he uses means more joint participation, or sharing something in common. So it, it takes that idea of fellowship and that idea of, of spending time with each other and it takes it to the next level because now it's not just hanging out, but it's more of a partnership. We have a reason to be hanging out and fellowshipping and, and doing life together. I, it, that's one of those things that is so overused. Let's get together and do life together, you guys. Does anybody hear that? Well, I, I get, I'm sick of hearing that. Let's do life together. Um, but they, they get together and they do life together. 
Um, but now they have a reason for that. And so we share in those things as a, as a body now. Christ has made a difference in our lives. And now I'm, I'm aligned. I've joined myself with this body of believers, this fellowship of believers, this group of believers. Now I'm, I'm to share in the things. We're to share those things together. We share each other's uh, in each other's sufferings. We share in the work of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit begins to move, we don't like, well, that's what that group's doing over there, but we're doing a different group. No, we share that together as a church because God has inspired us. God has sent the Holy Spirit. He's moved in somebody's heart, and we share in that. We don't, we don't try and quench that spirit or, or, or put that fire out. We share in those things. Um, we share in bearing one another's burdens. We share in lifting each other up when, when, when someone goes through the good times. And we encourage people to get out and let God continue to move in their life as they go to that, throughout their, their lives outside of the church. When they go to work, when they go to school, when they go to these places, we encourage them. And, and then when they come back, we share in, in their triumphs and we share in their defeats and we encourage them as they go on. So it's not, it's not solely the pastor's job in a church in a body of believers, it's not solely his job to be moved by God's spirit into action. It's not just the pastor's job. And we shouldn't be sitting here saying, oh, pastor, just tell us what to do and we'll do it. Yes, God speaks to the pastor. And again, I'm not the pastor, so I don't know if you should listen to me and go do what I say. But um, I'm just the youth guy. All I have to do is impress them, um, which is really easy. Um, but no, we share in this. It's the community's job to share in that ministry. When the pastor has, has, when God has laid something to his heart and he brings it to us on Sunday mornings in worship service, then that should move us to join in that ministry and move us to do that and not just sit back and let, let the pastor do all the work, let the pastor do all the speaking and teaching and serving and going, but it's our job as a body to do that because we've all been changed by Christ and we all want everyone that we run into to be affected by Christ the way that we have. And so we're to be devoted to the pastor's teachings, right? Again, not, not mine, but we're to be, to be devoted to his teaching and then moved into action by when the spirit moves, we're to be moved into action. And that's one of the things I'm so excited about. Pastor Mike and Jackson and I have talked about kind of the next steps that we're going to be taking as a church, and Pastor Mike's going to be preaching about that over the next four weeks, but the, the heartbeat of Harvest Hill, where's our heartbeat? And God's given him a message that he, to share with us, and, and where can we jump on board now to, to share in fellowship this calling of our church? How can we move in fellowship with Pastor Mike? And as we go and see where this church grows. So it's our job as a body of Christ to make sure also that no one's in need if you see in verse 45, it says they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all in need. It's our job to make sure that when someone in our church is hurting, we share in that hurt, we share in that burden and make sure that they're not in need, whether it's materially or monetarily or, or spiritually, that we gather around that person and we build them up and lift them up. And this is one of the things that our church does great. I love it. I love it when... When I see on the, the prayer requests, when I see those go out on Facebook and when I see those go out on the group me thing, um, when someone has a need and they share a prayer request and you immediately begin to see people 
saying, oh, well, we can do this, we can do that, we can meet this need, we can do that. Like I said, yesterday was a perfect example of that. We probably, I wasn't here, but Mike told me that we probably had more helpers than people to help <laughs> yesterday, um, which means no leftovers. Um, but no, we do, we, are, we do such a great job of that in our church, and it, it almost overwhelms me when I see that. I'm not used to, it's, it had been a long time before I joined this church, that I was part of a smaller church when you could see those needs met. I basically grew up going to St. Babs in Springfield. And yes, needs would be met, but, but I didn't necessarily see, oh, so-and-so is, is in need of this. And I didn't see, you know, I couldn't see all these people stepping up. And, and trust me, it happened, but I wasn't aware of it. And now when I see it, I'm like, oh, man, this is amazing. And think about what God can do in Stratford, through this church, as we as we use these things to meet each other's needs, as we use the the things that we have, the the material things God has given us to to meet the needs of those in this community, and then the spiritual, the hearts of this church to meet the spiritual needs, and the emotional needs of people in this community, and it's amazing, and it's my prayer that this attitude never change. Love God, love others, right? Love people, love God, love people. Eat hot dogs. Right, that this attitude never changed, other than that it grows stronger, and that we never miss an opportunity to help someone, to help meet their needs, and that someone never be feel ashamed or embarrassed or feel guilty to come to us and say, "I'm just in a tough spot, and I need help. I'm going through this, and you know, my dad's something's happened with my dad, and I just need someone to talk to and someone to share with, or my parents are." divorced or my wife and I are going through a rough time and I need someone to talk to who can I turn to and that we meet those needs and we grow even stronger in that sense of fellowship that this does truly become a partnership where we're moving and advancing the gospel in this community and then third the next thing we do awesome they broke bread together verse 46 says every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house you all would like to go to everyone's house every day and break bread. Am I the only one that doesn't think that's a bad idea? Like that, I'm all about that. But I, I think all the uh, ones doing the, I'll be politically correct, the ones doing the preparing of the meals, um, it's not necessarily all the wives. Um, I'm not going to say husbands can't cook, but um, the ones preparing the meals probably aren't super stoked about having a fellowship meal at their house every day, right? Um, but in verse 46, so they, they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. They ate their hot dogs with joyful and sincere hearts. Um, like I said, this is something we do such a great job of here. You know, on Wednesday nights, it's amazing to see the outpouring of this. And people get together, and, and we have wonderful teachers that, that teach the kids on Wednesday nights. And, you know, they sit down with them, and they break bread with them. They eat with them. They enjoy a meal with them. And they talk to these kids. Hey, tell me about your week. Oh, yeah. We get to kind of be goofy with the kids. And, and we form these bonds and these relationships with these kids that, that, that shows them the love of Christ when they come into this church. And that's the, that's the whole part of this, that, that we're showing the love of Christ as we, as we break bread, as we enjoy meals with each other. They couldn't wait to do this. right? I love in verse 46, the beginning, it says, Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. And they did it. They didn't complain about it. They did it with a sincere heart. They loved it. So they did it with joyful and sincere hearts. 
And notice, like I said, it says that they devoted themselves to it. They didn't miss a day. They made sure that if someone needed to come and have food and talk about their day, they made sure someone was there to have dinner with and talk about their day. They loved doing it, made sure they didn't miss it. Like I said, I think I'm not the only one who would love to have a potluck meal every day, but I'm not the one preparing that, so I can't speak for my whole family. Like, ask Stephanie, anytime, anytime we're supposed to bring something, my answer is, well, we can bring a bag of chips or something. Um, it's always chips or something. Um, and then she's like, we can't, we can't just bring chips. And she, ha- she makes something because she's better than me. I, I have the, the youth pastor mindset. We just bring chips and dip and some soda. That's all they need. <laughs> what do adults, I don't know what adults do, but, but kids just, you need some chips and dip and maybe some queso. Um, pizza. Yeah, pizza. It's super easy. Um, but, you know, if adults show up to a, if all of us came with chips and dip, we'd have to start another ministry here for the type 2 diabetics. Um, I have type 1 diabetes, so I can joke about that, I guess. Um, But when you look at the number, so when you look at this passage, you know, in verse 41, it said there were 3,000 people, 3,000 new believers that were added to the church that day. And so when you look at the numbers of people coming to Christ at that time, I bet part of the reason that they devoted themselves to this breaking of bread was in celebration of someone finding new life in Christ. That's something to celebrate about. And the Bible even tells us that, that the angels throw this party when just one person finds Christ. And here there's, there's 3,000 people in one day in this story coming to know Christ. And I imagine they threw a party. I mean, they probably had lots of chip and di- chips and dip. They probably had a bathtub full of dip. Um, Oh, man, wouldn't that be awesome? A bathtub full of dip. Um, But this person is finding a new... And every day, when you look at the end of this passage, it says new people were being added to their number. So every day, someone new is coming to Christ, and they're having a party. It's also a great way for them and for us to share in each other's needs. You know, someone has a rough day that day. And so new believers needed a place of refuge because... Because then persecution was a real, a very real thing. And it wasn't, oh my gosh, he goes to church. Like, what do you go to church for? It was serious persecution. And it affected them beyond just feeling embarrassed to say they go to church. It affected them differently. It affected their livelihood. And so this breaking of bread daily that they devoted themselves was, was a great place of refuge for new believers to come. Or, or not even new believers, just believers to come. Like, man, I need some encouragement. Or man, guess what God did today? You can celebrate it. And they did so with sincere and joyful hearts. And so may there, I, my hope and my prayer is that there's this movement that begins in Stratford, and maybe it starts with, with us, maybe it doesn't, but this movement that begins in Stratford of so many coming to Christ that we have a daily breaking of bread to celebrate all the change God is making in this community, and that we have a daily breaking of bread because someone just needs someone to sit down and talk to. Like, man, I just had a bad day today. It was a rough one. And so that, that's the third thing is that they broke bread and they did it often. Um, so let us continue to do that as a church. 
And then lastly, they devoted themselves to prayer. In verse 47, it says, Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. They praised God. They got together and they praised God for everything. They praised God that they got to share in each other's sufferings. They praised God that they got to share in each other's triumphs. Everything they praised God in. And they enjoyed the favor of all people because people saw this church and they saw it as a community. People knew, hey, we have needs. We can go have our needs met here I'm having a bad day. I can go talk to those people because they won't condemn me for, for living a certain lifestyle. They praised God and they gave thanks for who he is and what he had done. They didn't complain about what they didn't have. Um, they thanked him for what he had given them. God was the focus of all their attention. He was the root we talked about earlier, he was the root of their, of their community. He was the beginning. He was the foundation of everything. And everything they did from there was building on that foundation. And they praised God and they thanked him for his strong and sturdy foundation. And then they made sure that the pathway between him and them stayed open through prayer. They never wanted to miss a chance for God to speak, th- speak to them, however, however it was coming, through, whether it was through the teaching or whether it was through seeing the lives and examples of others, but more importantly, it was through prayer. They stayed in constant contact with God through prayer. So let us not ever overlook the power of prayer individually, as an individual, because we have a role in this community individually, but then communally as a group. Let's not overlook the power of prayer. So let's continue to grow in community at this church so that every day maybe we can add Numbers we can add to those that are being saved. Not so that our church will be bigger, but because people are being saved. People are coming to that new life in Christ, and they now have hope in life. They now can see God has done this. And they, I want to be part of, of what God's doing through that body. And God, just continue to add to our numbers daily. I'm going to ask the, the band to come up as we close real quick. Um. I, I read this, uh, I do this daily devotional, and it's, it's based on Dietrich Bonhoeffer's books and sermons. I don't, I don't know if you guys know who Dietrich Bonhoeffer is, but he's awesome. I'll just leave it at that. But uh, in the book, his book, Life Together, he says this about the gift of community. He says, because God has already laid the only foundation of our community, because God has united us in one body with other Christians in Jesus Christ, long before we entered into this common life with them, we enter into that life together with other Christians. Not as those who make demands, but as those who thankfully receive. God, sorry, those who thankfully receive. We thank God for what God has done for us. We thank God for giving us other Christians who live by his call, his forgiveness, and his promise. We do not complain about what God does not give us, but rather we're thankful for what God does give us daily. And is it not, sorry, and is not what has been given already enough other believers who will go on living with us through sin and need under the blessing of God's grace? Isn't that enough that God has given us that? Other believers to go through life with, to live life with? Is the gift of God any less immeasurably great than this on any given day, even on the most difficult and distressing days of Christian community? So in other words, what he's saying here is that the blessings that come from living in community with one another isn't anything other 
than, than this, that, that God saw in his infinite mercy long before we ever knew, long before we were ever a twinkle in our parents' eye, long before anything, he saw in his mercy that we as his children would need each other to get through those hard times and to celebrate those good times. Man, what a good and great gift that God would give us. Not only that he would give us his salvation so that we have hope in life, but that he would give us each other because God created us to live in relationships with each other. And that's his greatest gift through community is that, that man, I had a bad day, or, man, I'm, I'm struggling with this sin, and that we can come to this body of believers and not feel condemned because we're struggling with sin but to feel uplifted. And maybe, maybe we do need corrected and rebuked when we come here, but it's done out of love. It's not done out of judgment. God in his great grace and mercy looked at us and said, they need this. And so when, when, they, when Christ becomes the center and the focus of, of, of their lives, I'm going to give them this wonderful gift of community. What a good God. What a good God we serve. I'm going to pray and and I'll be down front if, if anyone needs me to pray with them or if anyone has anything they need to, to share. The band's going to close us. The altar's open if anyone needs to, to come in and just lay things at God's feet. God, thank you for, for your word. Thank you for this beautiful body of believers that, that you've joined me with, God. I'm overwhelmed. Every time I see the, the way you move in the hearts of, the, of us in this, in this church, God, may you continue to grow that, that sense of community, Father. Help us to cling to your word, Father. It's the foundation of, of this community, God, that we, can, that we look to you first, Father, and that you're the, the foundation, the base, the root of this, of this organism, God, that you've, you've placed here in the middle of Stratford. You're such a good God. Help us to never complain about, oh, I wish we had this or wish we could do this. But God, say thank you for giving us this. Thank you for giving us what you've given us because you knew what we needed before time. God, I lift this up to you right now. Just ask all these things in your name.